Let's just pray. Father, we come to your throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your people. Thank you for your children that are gathered together. Lord, we, we sit under your feet, O oh Lord, to hear from you and to meditate from your word, O oh Lord, and to listen to the words that the Holy Spirit has for us, O oh Master. Lord, let your anointing rest upon each one of us, O oh Lord, and meet our need because you're a good Father to us. Bless us, O oh Master. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. God is good. Amen. 2016. Man, can you believe you're already there? <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Uh, I was thinking, uh, Bob, Bobby, how long have we known you? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. years? I think 11 years. 11 years. I remember some of us, yeah. we've been almost now 15, 13, 16 years. We've been in Dallas and, and we're still young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but God is good, right? So time flies, but... We have a God who never changes, right? Therefore, we are not consumed, right? <laughs> so, we are not faithful constantly, but He's very faithful. Praise God. Okay, so, I was thinking about the message today, and there were so many messages boiling in my spirit, you know? And I was like, man, I hope I don't overwhelm these guys. <laughs> uh, normally, our messages are so long, but, but there's so many messages going on in my spirit. But, but I, want, uh, I wanted to share with you stuff, but if you're ready, you all can take it, right? Uh, we, go, we go a little deeper, if you don't mind, because we don't get to, as I say, we don't have these live streams every month. We have it every other month, so generally when we meet together, we have to catch up on something that we discuss this. So, during our Christmas live stream, uh, the message was, Abba, Father, Christmas. You know, the fact that we have received sonship, and we have, we, we, we have now children of the Most High God, and Jesus came into the world so that we can serve the Father without fear, in holiness, and in righteousness. See, look at the whole point of Jesus was not to just take away other sins. The end goal of Jesus was not for Jesus to be worshipped. Everything else is good. But the whole point of Jesus coming to the world was so that we can end up be able to worship the Father in holiness, in righteousness, and without fear. Can you hear thought about it that way? That, that, that's the whole point, that God wanted to regain his position as father with you and I. That was the whole point. And, and Jesus made it possible for the father to do that, right? So God sent his son, and we know that full story, right? So, but before that, in, uh, uh, in October, we had taken a message called the truth. We are talking about what is the righteous offering that God wants out from us. Remember when Jesus walked into the temple, Two points in his ministry. Very early in his ministry, he went into the temple in Jerusalem and he drew out the money changers and all those who bought and sold. Very interesting. We always thought that he only drew out the money changers. We never thought that he drew out anybody who bought and also the ones who sold. So who are the ones who are buying the sheep? By the people. He drew them out. Then who are the ones who are selling? where the people were selling the sheep and the goat for the sacrifice. He drew them out. And then he drew out the money changers. So this is like weird. Lord, I thought you need those people for their offerings and their sacrifices. But then he did that again before he, on the week of his crucifixion. Right? And then we go back and see the scriptures. The Bible is full of it. Sacrifice and offering, he has no delight in it. He wanted the sacrifice of a Passover lamb that in Christ Jesus. 
So if you reject Christ Jesus and try to offer anything else, that Jesus, God considers that robbery. Think about it. So there was Jesus as the Passover lamb. John said, behold the lamb, right? Who takes away the sins of the world. And while they were continuing the Passover, the others, without recognizing the Passover lamb, God considers that robbery. Very interesting. And, and, and then in, we studied in Jeremiah, where said, God said, you know, when I brought you out of Egypt, did I, bring, did I tell you about sacrifices and offerings? I didn't. Actually, go back and check. When he brought them out of Egypt, he never instituted sacrificial system. He instituted the sacrificial system after giving the Ten Commandments at the Mount of Sinai. Just think about it. So sacrifice and the system was not instituted when he brought them out of Egypt. When he brought them out of Egypt, he brought them out of his whole grace of a God who loves them and who's promised. See, that's how he appeared to Moses. He said, I am. I will take you out of Israel. I'll bring you out of the bondage of the Egyptians. I will do this. I will do this. I will do that. There was no demand from them anything. And so, but they, God brings them all the way up to Mount Sinai and at, Mount of, at the Mount of Sinai, they said to God, everything that you say, we can do it as a sign of pride. And God immediately gives them the law to say that you cannot keep all the law. But God is so kind. The moment he gives the law, he immediately institutes a sacrificial system. Why? Because of all things, God knew that they cannot keep the law. So he right away gives them an altar. That's yeah, we go back and read the chapter in which the Ten Commandments is given. Just after the Ten Commandments, God institutes, tell them how to offer an altar. He makes an altar. Just at the same, just after Ten Commandments, immediately they said how to build an altar. If you're going to make an altar, don't make it out of hewn stone. Don't make it with steps. Make it out with stone. So means he's saying, don't put any effort. Don't use your works in it. Because you have to just present your, the lamb of God. Right? So think about it. God has always been after a righteous offering. Say righteous offering. Righteous offering. Think about it. Think about it. It's, this is a little deep. If you, are you ready for a little deep teaching? You, should, you all are getting, you can always get, you know, in a, in a, on a Sunday service in the church, you cannot get deep teaching because it's, people, there are believers, non-believers, the pastors have to do that level of, you know, they cannot go deep, they all run out of church, you know, <laughs> it's like, man, it's time for my lunch, you know, but this is a place where we can really get into a little deep, right? No, say righteous offering. Righteous offering. Say again, righteous offering. Righteous say righteous offering. Righteous offering. Think about it. God always, right from beginning, has been looking for a righteous offering. Right? Righteous offering. But man never wants to give a righteous offering. Man gives an offering that he thinks is righteous. So he'll always give stuff that he thinks is righteous. So what does he replace with a righteous offering? It will be his own works. Throughout scripture, it starts after the fall of man. Adam and Eve has two sons, Cain and Abel. Both love God. Doesn't say they don't love God. Both love God because they have a relationship with God, right? One brings a lamb as an offering. The other brings office, 
of his work, of the labor of his field. Correct? Look at it. Immediately God says, despised God, did not like Cain's offering. I always wondered, Lord, Abel is a guy who feeds the flock. Obviously he's going to bring his flock, right? And Cain is a guy who is the pillar of the land, so he should bring the fruits. What's the, what's the problem? Am I, am I missing something out here? Yes! You're missing something. God's saying, because this is not about your first fruits. No, it's not a message about first fruit. It's about a righteous offering. God only sees one thing as a righteous offering. It's a male lamb. Because he's the shadow of a male coming into the world. A only begotten son. So, in, with blood sacrifice of a male lamb is a righteous offering being offered. So anytime you try to replace that with your words, God says, and you know, that's so funny. I mean, you, I don't know whether you've seen this. This is so powerful. If you go to Genesis chapter and you go back there, remember it says, he took, uh, so Cain was very angry, right? And God said, why are you angry? He said, uh, and God says, why are you angry? And he says, if, if, you, if you did right, won't you be accepted? See, if you did right, that means he's saying, you are not doing right. What is the problem with Cain's offering? Cain knew what he had to offer. Because he has been taught. Remember how God offered a sacrifice for Adam and Eve and clothed them? He didn't offer vegetables and salad leaves to dress them. That's what they tried to dress themselves with, right? Adam and Eve tried to dress themselves with salad dressing, like fig leaves, right? And God says, no, 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 no. A lamb has to die. Somebody has to die. So he, he, he killed an animal and took the skin and clothed them. And while they were, while they were, it's fresh blood clothed skin on Adam and Eve. We talked about it once. That's the first picture of God saying, ah, my son is coming one day. I'm going to clothe you with his garments, drenched with blood, which is acceptable to me. And I can cover you. Because nothing else will cover your sin. And you have, that's the only way I, you, you are, it's an offering, right? So he, say, he told Cain, he said, if you do right, won't you be accepted? So obviously Cain didn't do right, because Cain didn't bring the right offering, right? God is so merciful, right? God said, see, a sin offering is crouching at the door. Ah! Take authority over it and offer it. The King James always translates it as sin is crouching at the door. Master it, right? The original Hebrew doesn't say sin. It says a sin offering. So what is crouching at the door? A lamb is not come there and is crouching at his door. He is a tiller of the tiller of the field. And God says a lamb has come to your door. Why don't you take that lamb and offer it? A sin offering is crouching. A lamb, a ram is crouching, waiting. That means he's saying a lamb has submitted itself to you. Go ahead and take it. See, when God came, God sent his son and he stood before the high priest and he stood before Pilate and he stood before Herod. He stood as a lamb wanting to have domain, be dominated by him. Isn't it? He said he never opened. As a sheep led to the shearers, he, not, he opened not his mouth. What was he doing? He was a lamb that was submitting himself to you 
so that you can offer it. So God always wants a righteous offering. God always wants a righteous offering. Anytime you try to replace that with your works, your, 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 I fasted more, I prayed more, or I, I gave to missions. Now I'm, I'm making it very spiritual because now you don't use the other things, right? I mean, you would say, you know, I went to Jerusalem, you know, uh, I blessed, I have light team in my house, you know, <laughs> you know all kinds of things which, which, those are all salad dressing. If that's not a righteous offering for it, those are good works that come out of your life in Christ Jesus, but that's not a righteous offering. You get the picture? So when you come to God and you want favor from Him, you have to go to Him with a righteous offering. And what is the righteous offering? Jesus. You cannot replace Jesus with anything else. You try to do that, that's why uh, that is what Paul says throughout his New Testament saying, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We always think walk in the spirit, walk in the flesh is all about, yeah, I should not sin. No, 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 no. Just because you're walking in the spirit doesn't mean you don't sin. You still sin. Are you, are you sinning right now? I don't know. Some of you are maybe. Right? <laughs> right? But does it mean that you're not in the spirit? You are. Because the Bible defines walking in the spirit means walking in the born again experience of Christ with life. That is by faith. The walk of faith is called walk in the spirit. And walk in the flesh means walking in your own efforts at self-righteousness. Make sense? So when you translate the word flesh in the New Testament, always translate it by your efforts at self-righteousness. Ah, then the whole Bible just opens up for you. Because now it makes sense. Because everyone says, walk not in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Now it makes sense. Walk not with your self-righteous works, but walk in faith in Christ Jesus' work. Now that is flesh. See, that is why when Abel offered a lamb, both are sinful, right? Otherwise they would not bring a sacrifice. See, why is sacrifice needed? Sacrifice is needed for sinful people. Otherwise you don't need offer a sacrifice. If you are perfect and righteous, do you bring sacrifice? No. Sacrifice is needed because somebody sinned. Somebody messed up. Correct? Okay, let me ask you a question. Did Christ offer a sacrifice for himself? No. No. He was a sacrifice. Correct? Correct? But for the high priest in the old covenant, first uh, sacrifice a lamb for themselves. Then they were sanctified, then they offered a sacrifice for the people, correct? But Christ never offered a sacrifice for them because he was perfect and righteous. So he needed no sacrifice for himself because he was not uncovered. Sacrifices for to cover, correct? So but how do you cover? So the question is, do you cover yourself with your righteous acts or the perfect righteous offering that God says is righteous? God says Make sense? So when you come to God, remember to come to God through an offering of righteousness. So guess what? I'm going. To, what you're going to learn today is going to set you free. So even when you are a sinner and you are sinning and enjoying sinning, <coughs> right? God sent His Son to die for you. Correct? Now that you are born again, now you don't enjoy sinning, but yet you sin. How do you still? Have your relationship with God through a righteous sacrifice that Christ is. 
Not because of how good you are or how much you fasted or how much you prayed or how much you committed or how much price you paid in your life. No, no, no. God, all that is fruits of the Spirit but that is not what qualifies you to receive favor from God. Make sense? You want favor from, I mean, how many of you want favor from God or you want to work hard for the Lord? I really, I mean, I'm tired of working hard. <laughs> because there are a lot of people who work hard but you don't get the benefits of it, right? What you need is favor from God, right? That means unusual favor, that things happen even when you don't work for it. And God says, I want you to get you into that land, the land of Canaan where you build houses, you, you live in houses that you did not build. You eat of uh, vineyards that you did not plant. The lay of foreign laborers, they labor for you. Let me study this whole process. That is the Canaan rest that God has called you to be. So my question is, why don't many Christians don't enjoy that unmerited favor? Because they are trying to merit it. Okay, how do you not, why do you not enjoy unmerited favor? Because you are trying to? You are trying to merit it. Duh. <laughs> so it's like, makes sense? You are trying to not, you are not getting unmerited favor because you are trying to merit it. Stop meriting unmerited favor. Actually, it's pretty logical. Right? That's why Paul says, where, where, where sin abounded, grace abounded, much more. So guess what's happening? The greatest revivals are happening in the places where there's worse sins. And where there is a kind of pretense of religiosity, it's all dead churches. Why? Because in that place, people are trying to merit God's favor. So people are getting healed in places where they have no knowledge of Christ. But where people have a kind of knowledge of God, there is no healing. Doesn't make sense. Right? So the more you know God, the more there should be healing. Correct? But guess what's happening? The more you know God, the more you justify yourself that I am not as bad as that guy. So what? It stops the flow of unmerited favor in your life. Because the righteous offering is always Christ Jesus. The more you look to your works, you stop this whole flow of unmerited favor in your life. You see? That is why believers seem to have a challenge receiving from God. Because believers don't believe that they are, they are worth nothing without Christ. They start believing that they are something. That's why Paul said, I glory in my weakness. My, my, grace, my grace is sufficient for you when God, God told more, Paul, Jesus told Paul, he's saying this, in the areas that you're weak, I can pour unmerited favor in your life. Do you see that? Like I'm going to tell Josh or something. In the subjects that he's weak, he gets full marks. Right? And subjects that he's not good, there's a struggle, right? Where he's good, there's a struggle, right? And you have seen that in my life also. In the areas where I think I'm very strong, top. Where, where I, when I, in some areas I'm very weak, I get unmerited favor. I'm saying, think, think. Open yourself to a righteous offering. Come to God in the righteous offering. Amen? Amen. Let's go to this. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay, I'm going to do this quick session. Because, 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 there's no reason, but we have to finish Malachi. <laughs> we started Malachi sometime. It's hot. Okay, let's get that. 
Malachi. Am I pronouncing that right? Malachi? Malachi? Malachi. Okay. So let's go to Malachi. Your eyes are open. I don't know whether we can do the whole thing that I planned today. I don't know. I don't know whether we have the time as usual. But at least let's go to one foundation, right? A righteous offering, right? There are three areas that I wanted to look. Remember the Bible says in Luke, which started in, in that Christmas life thing, God sent Jesus and the Zechariah's prophecy that you can serve God in holiness, in righteousness, and without fear. Correct? In righteousness, and without fear, and in holiness. Three. So there are three platforms. First is offering in righteousness. That means in righteousness, God wants us to, uh, wants us to deal with him. That means we want to serve him in righteousness, right? Number two, a spirit of sonship. That means without fear. God doesn't want you to have fear when you come to him. That is only possible as a son. There's no problem. As a servant, you'll always be afraid of your master. Only as a son, that relationship of a father-son, there is no fear. But no other relationship, can you say there is no fear? Except as a father and a son. As a father and a son, there is no fear. Right? I mean, you... We, we use it. Joseph Prince uses this example, and I like this example. He said, if you have a very obedient dog in your house, right? Always comes to the door, jumps at you, greets you, doesn't eat food unless you eat food, follows you all around, does everything. And in the same house, you have a, you have a son, obeys sometimes, doesn't obey, but many times he's rebellious, right? When it comes to give your inheritance, who will you give the inheritance to? Dog. Okay. Come on. Come on, Bobby. That's a true American. Remember, I can't remember her name. She did that? Give to a cat or something, right? Yeah. But guess what? The, uh, the court overturned it. And then gave it back to their children. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. They did. <laughs> because the judges are thinking about their time when they. <laughs> okay. So, 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 who do you give your inheritance to? To the disobedient son. Why? Son. I mean, son. Right, son. Because that's the only relationship in which you can receive. And God wants. I mean, tell me, let, let me, let me ask you a question. This. If you are a son, you're a parent, and you have a son, right? And the son did some stupid things, right? And now the law says you cannot have a relationship with the son. The law says, because the son is rebellious. Who does it hurt more, the son or the father? Huh? The father. Good, very good answer. Very good answer. Why? Why? I thought it's always be the son, right? No, it's the father. Because man... Not, not, I'm not talking about the Father God, but I'm saying as a parent. The parents, if somebody tells you, no, you cannot have a relationship with your son because your son is a rebellious guy, the state says, according to the state of Texas, you cannot have a relationship, you cannot see him for the next two years. Who, who is going to cry every night? The Father, right? That's what happened with the Heavenly Father. You know, sin separated and hurt Father more than it hurt man. And father wants this relationship of sonship more than the son wants the father relationship. Make sense? That is why the father sent his son so that he can redeem this whole relationship back so that now he can love you freely and he doesn't care whether you sin now. 
I mean, I should not say that God doesn't want you to sin. What I'm saying is, sin separated God from loving you freely. More than it stopped God's plan of perfection. You see, we are like, oh, God is such a strict Lord. He wants everything perfect in the universe. Yes, he wants perfection. But about perfection, he's a God of love. He just wants to love you. Make sense? Otherwise, he could have started all over. If he was just a God of perfection. And if the law, state, state of Texas comes and says, hey, forget about your son, okay? Done. Go and produce one more. That's not going to solve my problem, right? That's what God, because God is, we are made in the image of God. See, the same feelings that come up in us, come up in the Father God. Amen? So that son, spirit of sonship is so essential. When God said, oh, this is so powerful. You just love it. When Jesus, was, after the after he resurrected, he showed up before Mary Magdalene, correct? Oh, this is so powerful. I mean, when I saw this, I don't have read that chapter many times, but when I was taking this study, I realized it. He told Mary Magdalene, don't cling to me. And we know it because he has not yet ascended to the Father. He has not anointed the Holy of Holies in heaven by his blood. So that he wants to do that first. before. But more than that, look at his words. Don't cling to me. Go and tell your brother. Because I'm not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell your, my brother. He just changed the words. For the first time he called his disciples my brother. Go and tell my brethren that I am going to my God and your God. To my father and your father. Wow. God, he's saying, you don't cling to me now. Guess what? You cannot go to your father. For the first time. You don't have, you're not just clinging to, you know, they were so afraid of father God. They only cling to Jesus because they love Jesus. Jesus is so loving. Jesus is so good. Jesus feeds me. Jesus heals me. Jesus, you know. But, and they were very afraid of this father God. And every time they wanted something, they would go to Jesus and Jesus would pray for them. In fact, at the end, Jesus told in John chapter 16, 17, he said, I don't need to pray for you. You can pray the Father yourself and he will answer you because he loves me and he knows that you love me. See, stop. See the whole point of Jesus on the earth was just trying to get you to realize that this Father God is truly your loving Father. And then the moment it happened, the moment, just after resurrection, the same day, he's not even spoken anything to anybody. He's meeting Mary Magdalene for the first time. That's the first words of a risen Savior. And what are the first words? Go to your father. <laughs> Go to your father. Don't cling to me. Daddy, I'm poor. And daddy is my children. God has been waiting, I don't know how many generations, waiting for this time where the sound of Abba, Father, cries out in the universe. And, and the Son of God, who knows how much he is loved of the Father, knows the heart of the Father, and he says, go tell my brother. No, you can go to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. For the first time. He never used the word brother. Jesus is so accurate. He's so accurate. 
in John chapter 16, if I'm not mistaken, I have the words, you can go and check it. He said, he's, just before, he's going into the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, ha he's having the Passover with them. And we call it the Last Supper. But actually, he was celebrating the Passover, correct? And he told them, he told them, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. Why did he not call them brothers there? Because friends is better than servant. Yes or no? But yet they are not brothers yet. They, he's, he's not telling them all the plan of salvation. So he's saying that I have told you everything that I know. See, I'm better than a master and a servant. I'm telling you like a friend. A friend tells you everything, right? The good, the bad, ugly, everything, right? He said, I know you're my friend. See, I'm telling you everything, right? I'm not telling you anything in secret. And say, I'm telling you all things because... The, and that's how he said. He said, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends because I've told you everything. But he never calls them brother. Why? Why? Because he, he is not resurrected yet. Only after resurrection, Jesus became the firstborn and then all of us became the sons of God. Then they are brothers, right? You see the thing? It's a biological relationship. Jesus is the eldest brother. Then we are who are born later become his brothers. So he's very accurate. He said only after resurrection, he said, Go and tell my brother. Make sense? So you see how critical, important is that spirit of sonship that God wanted us to receive through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. So the offering of righteousness, the spirit of sonship, and the third one is holiness. Remember he said that you shall serve the Lord with, in, without fear in holiness and in righteousness. What is holiness? You always study, you always understood holiness as being as being, well, how do you define holiness? When, when I say holy, what, what is the first picture that you have? Holy? You have to do something, or what do you, how do you define holy? Saintly, perfect, or good, right? Holiness is not that. Interesting. The Bible uses the word holiness means sanctification or kodesh, means separated. Say separated. So when the Bible says holy, it's not the English understanding of holy. It just means Kodesh. Kodesh means separated. Say separated. So God wants you to serve him separated in righteousness and without fear. I understand righteousness. I understand without fear. Without fear is through sonship, right? I understand righteousness because Christ became our righteousness. So we now no longer look at our efforts and we don't look at our sins. We look at Christ's righteousness. Make sense? We have gone through so many lighting sessions of righteousness. That should be like coming in and out of us, right? Righteousness, righteousness, okay. But the third, holiness. We never, we never studied holiness, right? As much. But when you understand holiness as being sanctification, means separation, that's the reason God wants you to be separated. Why? Let's think. Why would God want you to be separated? So separated from what is the question, correct? From the world. Why does he want to be separated from the world when we are still in the world? Why? Logic. I'm talking logically. Why does he want to be separated from the world while we are still in the world? So, what, so that what is in the world does not affect. Correct. That is when the world is getting shaken, you will not be Ah, now it makes sense. 
we are in the world, we are not of the world, when the world gets shaken, we will not be shaken. Now I like it. Now I like Now it's making sense, right? So when the economy is going down, it doesn't go down for me. Right? When the uh, people are getting laid off, I don't get laid off. See, because it has nothing to do with me. I am not of the world. But when I am in the world, ah, very interesting. Jesus in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 says how he is going to separate us. See, separation is God's integral plan in Christ Jesus. So he says, Lord, and Jesus is not talking to Father God, right? He says, Lord, sanctify them. Ah, same word, Kodesh. Sanctify them, separate them by truth. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. For their sake, I have sanctified myself so that they will be sanctified. You always read that verse and it sounds so religiosity filled with, you know, it's like, sanctify them, I sanctify, sanctify them by truth. Oh, sounds too much, right? Let me now break it down. <laughs> Now when you understand that separation is important for you, right? God says, Jesus is telling the Father God, I separate myself for their sake. How did Jesus separate himself for their sake? Jesus is now seated with God at the right hand of God. Is he separated from the world? Come on. Is he at the right hand of God? Is he seated far above every principality, powers, everything? Are you now seated with him? Yes. So are you separated from all principality, powers, evil, darkness, Satan, everything? Yes. See, because now he is separated, guess what? You are separated. So therefore I separate myself. So after resurrection, God, that is why even everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. What makes sense? When Jesus told the disciples, it is for your benefit, I am going away. Yeah. Hallelujah! I want you to go away. Go fast. See? Because now I understand what it means. Because God, where is he going away? He's going to the right hand of God. Can you think about it? Right hand of God of the universe. And guess who is going with him? Because we are in him. Make sense? We are in him. So now guess what? Even though we are in the world, we are not here. We are now seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So when the world is shaken, we are not shaken. So which mountain are you on right now? I know I throw a curve there, but that's how the Bible defines holiness. He calls it that you are on Mount Zion. See, when you start, when you... We are, we are breaking into so many deep topics today. I want you to think about it. When you start reading your Old Testament, wherever you see the word Mount Zion or Holy Mountain, write it down. Mount Zion, Holy Mountain, My Holy Mountain, Holy Jerusalem. He is referring not to the Jerusalem in the Middle East. He is talking about the Jerusalem in heaven where cannot be shaken. And Hebrews chapter 12 breaks the whole thing down that we have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that cannot be touched. See, when Israel came to Mount Sinai, guess what happened? It was smoking, it was on fire. Anybody who touched it, there was arrows that would go out. And 
and God had very clearly said, nobody touch this mountain, right? Right? But on this mountain in Zion, the Bible says there is angels, there is Father God, there is Jesus Christ, the firstborn. And you can touch him, you can play in his life, you shall be dangled on his feet. You guess what? See, you come to a new mountain and he says, that mountain cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Guess what? Mount, Mount Sinai didn't shake. It was so exceedingly shook that even Moses trembled. Miss everything about Mount Sinai shakes. So if you are living in Mount Sinai, guess what? You are highly susceptible to shaking. <laughs> so if things are happening in your life that one day it is good and one day it is not and I can never predict what's going on, you are you are living in Mount Sinai. You need a day trip to Mount Zion. <laughs> you have to put on your trekking shoes on and get out of Mount Zion, Mount Sinai. Why are you on Mount Sinai? As, let me ask you a question. As believers, how can you stay on Mount Sinai? What is Mount Sinai? What is Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai is all about your performance. It's all about the laws of God. That whether you did it or you did not do it. So the more you are focused on where you have missed God, in what you have did, or where I messed up, oh I did not confess, oh did I fall into this temptation. Where, the more you are focused on your works and your sins and your weak conscience, guess what? You are in Mount Sinai. Guess what is on Mount Sinai? Darts. That's why that fiery darts of the enemy is on Mount Sinai. He is, because he has only law to hit you. See, Ma Satan has no other authority except to use the law of God to kill you. So if you are not on Mount Sinai, you cannot be killed. Because you are not under the law. Make sense? So you are on Mount Zion where you cannot be shaken. So only when you are under... This is another deep topic. Another deep topic is, do you feel condemned or sin conscious as a believer? Occasionally, once in a while, guess what? That is not from this new covenant. That is from Mount Sinai. Because Jesus, God has established a new covenant where it says, I shall remember your sins. No more. Done. God is done with sins. So who brings condemnation right now? If, uh, Romans chapter 8 says, if, he, he, if it's Christ who justifies, how can he condemn? He's the one who justifies us. How can he turn inside and then condemn you? What, this is like a small time cop? He first becomes a cop, then he goes into the court, he takes your clothes on, becomes a judge, then he finds you, then gets to the table and collects your file. <laughs> In some small town there is less staff, so everybody is like one guy, right? <laughs> God is not that right now. He's done with this whole problem, right? That's it. He's not going to get back to Mount Sinai and thunder and lightning. What is flowing out from Mount Zion, Mount Zion is peace. Go back and read Revelation chapter 1. This is it. Grace and peace from the one who is and who was and is to come. From the seven spirits of God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! The whole Trinity is flowing grace and peace to you. That's how Revelation starts. Have you read that? 
Do you want to read that? Do you want to read that? Okay, read, read that. I think that's such a powerful chapter. Revelation chapter, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation. And we have not even started Malachi, but... <laughs> this is the introduction to Malachi. <laughs> okay. Revelation chapter 1. Let's look at this. Because I want you to get this whole concept of the peace from, that comes from God right now. Revelation chapter 1, verse... John 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Look at what he says. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was and is to come. So who is this? God the Father. God the Father right? Okay, second. And from the seven spirits that are before his throne. Who are the seven spirits? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the seven spirits. And it is there in Isaiah chapter 23 or 24. It talks about the seven spirits. The spirit of God, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of strength, the spirit of understanding. He lists the seven spirits. But they are the Holy Spirit. It's manifested as the seven spirits. But it is this one's Holy Spirit. It's a person, right? So what is flowing from the Holy Spirit now? Peace. What is flowing from the Holy Spirit? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. What is grace? Mercy. Hasel. Grace and peace. That means grace is there and peace is there. Right? Grace means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. That doesn't matter what you did. Favor just flows on you. Doesn't matter your sins. Favor just flows on you. Peace. Total peace. God is not angry with you at all. Done. Done. So with Father God flows grace and peace. From the Holy Spirit flows grace and peace. And guess what? From whom? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. We are the kings. And, correct? So see how Jesus is. Jesus is who? The firstborn. We know because we are not the firstborn. He was the firstborn and we are all become kings. Right? And then he... And because Jesus is so unique as, as a person here. Look at what he said in the next verse. To him. He's talking about Jesus now. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Make sense? See, what is flowing from the Godhead in the throne of God? Grace and peace. See, there is no condemnation from Father God. There is no condemnation from the Holy Spirit. And there is no condemnation from Jesus Christ. It's not like, oh, Jesus is very loving. But I'm not so sure about that Holy Spirit. I'm definitely not sure about Father God. Because I don't even know Him. No, that's not it. Is. See, this whole plan of redemption is the, whole, the Trinity's plan. Let us make man in our own image. Let us do something about it. Right? It has been God, the Godhead's plan. Amen? So you see this holiness. So we were really stuck at holiness, right? See the power of holiness? God sanctifies us, separates us. When you, then definitely anytime you see the word holy in the Bible, think separation. I am separated from this evil in the world. Even though Satan is that, so right now Satan has no authority over you and I. He has no power. He used to. That is why, you know, when the disciples came and said, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said, this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. But once Jesus is raised up from the dead, he made a mockery of every principality and power. Nowhere in the Bible after that is mentioned that Jesus said, now you have to pray and fast to cast out demons. It's done. Just in the name of Jesus, every demon's gone because now they are being demolished. Yes. 
Oh, there is so much power in Revelation, the picture of this dragon and going after this woman and this woman giving birth to a male child and the male child being caught up to God and then the dragon coming after the uh, woman and those who keep, oh, there's such a picture about what happened in, really in the spiritual realm. <coughs> oh, I'm getting to some more deep. It's getting deep. When, when God say, when, when, remember the passages in the scripture where it says, Will the nation be born at once in one day? When a woman in labor and at once gave birth, he's talking about that redemption, that resurrection. You know, Satan never expected that redemption will happen so fast. In fact, Jesus said, you, 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 will, you, will, you, you will mourn, but the world will uh, rejoice for a short time. But then you will, you will be glad because it's like a woman having labor. But when the child has come, you will be rejoiced. You know, it, it looked as if it's going to be a long time. It looked as if it's going to be many years of separation and then Christ is going to fight this great battle and finally we'll overcome. Guess what? It just happened in... on the cross. And it's like, it is finished. Hallelujah. Three hours. Oh, darkness. And Jesus said, Jesus Christ. 
That's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. I don't care about Father. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to him because see, we are. Let me ask you a question. When you were a sinner, did you? When you did one or good righteous act, did you became? Uh, did you get heaven? When you were a sinner, when you did one or two good acts, did it qualify you to go to heaven? Hey, but you did some righteous acts, right? But did it qualify you to go to heaven? So when you are righteous, when you do a few sins, does it destroy your whole salvation? Which is more powerful, the work of Jesus Christ or the work of the devil? Make sense? You see, see now when you are sinner, you can just still come to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So you put on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't care. Guess what? When you have this breastplate of righteousness, it changes you completely. The life of Jesus Christ heals in you. You don't want to do the stupid things again because He works in you and without being told. That's why Jesus said in this new covenant. Oh, Oh, we need to take this whole study on this new covenant. We've been preaching wrong covenants in the church, right? We've been teaching the old covenant as the new covenant muddied, complete like mixture of half and half and trying to put man and... So we are trying to all mix it up, right? Really, it is... He says, in this new covenant, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and 33, it says, no one should teach... In this new covenant, no one should teach the neighbor, know the Lord. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest. In the old covenant, you should teach them, you should teach them, you should teach them. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit teaches you automatically. So you are born again and immediately you can know, I don't want to do that. Ah, I don't feel good. What, what's going on? Nobody's told you what is right or wrong. But what's going on? Because the Lord is teaching you now. There is no law. But yet you are being taught. Make sense? So separation, we're talking about separation, right? Sanctification now, this power that's happened in Christ Jesus is incredible, this holiness. So holiness is the separation. So we are in the world, this, so this 2016, there will be a lot of shaking happening, right? A lot of shaking happening this year, like, so a lot of shaking is going to happen. But you are not going to be shaken. None of you are going to be shaken. But that is only if you have a Mount Zion mentality. you like, why should I be shaken? I am perfect and righteous in Christ Jesus. I will not be shaken. What is there to be shaken? Because I am perfect in Christ Jesus. And I am his son. There is nothing. They, they can find me no fault in me. In fact, the Bible says in Jude, the book of Jude, he is faithful to present you blameless and holy and without fault before the throne of God. Not you are faithful to keep yourself. He is faithful to present you holy, blameless and without fault. Hold it. Not you are faithful. He is faithful to present you. That means if you messed up, whose fault is it? His fault. Because he... Okay, if you messed up, it is not his fault. If you messed up, and but you are not presented as perfect to God, whose fault it is? God's fault. Jesus' fault. Like, because if you messed up, and but Jesus presents you as a sinner before God. Whose fault is it? Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am faithful to present you perfect and blameless. That is, it is irrespective of what you did. Right? 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 Because he is faithful. Because why? Because he has more than enough paid for your sins. You see, the supply that Jesus did is more than the sin itself. 
has returned to God a double and more in redemption money to God of what was robbed from him. See, God had lo lost a relationship of a father-son with him and he lost it. But guess what? Jesus, when he paid the price, returned to God a double-fold return to Father God. So now Father God has become very rich because of what Jesus did. So he's more than happy. Make sense? We have not started Malachi. But, but I think we might have to go there a little bit and then we'll quickly close. Okay? okay. We'll, uh, we'll continue the study a little bit. How many of you are excited about the study? Right. If you can go deep, start understanding. We talked about Mount Zion. We talked about uh, offering of holy righteousness. So, okay. so I'll just talk about something and we have another half an hour to go. But we'll talk about the righteous offering, right? And we'll close that off and finish that off today. How about it? Right? Let's finish off righteous offering. Understand this whole business of righteous offering. Malachi has been quoted by all pastors, all churches, all the time for tithes and offerings. Correct? And trying to tell that if you don't give tithes and offerings, you're cursed and the devourer comes in. Really, the chapter is not about tithes and offerings. It's about a righteous offering that God was looking from man. Now, with that context, let's read the whole book of Malachi. How are, are you ready? But we'll go fast, we'll not go deep, but now you understood a background and a foundation, right? Now let's read the whole book of Malachi and I'll, 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 I'll come in at the points and explain a few points, okay? Let's read this together, okay? So I want all of you to have your Bible of, and turn to the book of Malachi. This is such a powerful chapter. It was the last book in the Bible, last book in the Old Testament, before which Jesus appears, right? So whatever happened in this book, is pointing towards what Jesus is going to do. Immediately, then starts after Malachi is Matthew. Right? So it is immediately starting. So something very important is happening in Malachi because there's a lot of prophecies of what God wanting for and what God has received in Christ Jesus. Let's read. Let's read Malachi. Beautiful. I mean, I'm so excited about it. So you, if I have, everyone has your Bible? Okay? I'm going to read from the New King James Version. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. It sounds like an Italian prophet. Malachi? Okay. So, chapter, verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. You have said, so G Father God is saying, I have loved you. Yet you have said, in what way have, you loved, have you loved us? Now, God is explaining how God loves Israel. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Very interesting. God says the way he loves you and me is like how he loved Jacob. Guess what? How did God love Jacob? Who was the perfect guy? Esau. Esau. Esau was the guy who did all the good things. He did all the right works. He worked very hard. He produced the game of the field. He, he lived by the works of his hands. Jacob was the deceiver who messed up, who told lies. He deceived people. He did stuff, right? But yet, God says... The way I love Jacob over Esau and I hated Esau, that's the way I love you. Ha! Ah, he's already trying to establish a principle of principle of grace. Of grace. He say, I love you irrespective of what you provided with your hands. He's trying to establish that right away. He saying, that's how I love you. I'm not loving you because of what you did. I'm going to love you because I have decided to love you. 
Because God decided to love Jacob even before he was born. While they were in the mother's womb, he said, Jacob, I have chosen, Esau, I have hated. Even when they were in the mother's womb, even before this mother, the babies had an option to do one thing or the other. And, you know, me and Milu always had an argument about that passage. He said, Milu is like, he's got motherly heart. He said, that is partiality. How can you be so partial to Esau just because he's the elder guy, because I'm the eldest guy in the house. And Milu thinks that, you know, I'm, you know, this partiality and all stuff like that. Okay, but... Stuff like that, you know, Ben. Does he knew, he knew the beginning from the end? Not really. Okay. I think, get, okay. get ready, get ready. You'll, you'll shout when you know why, why he did that. See, he never did it for anybody else. Only with Esau and Jacob, he made a point to do that because it's a foreshadow of what he's going to do with you and me in Christ Jesus. He's going to one day bring Jesus the eldest and give the benefits of the eldest work to the younger guy. Righteousness. He 
says, wow, that's so good. Even David looked at Jesus' righteousness. He says, it is so blessed. To, uh, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. Wow. Whose sins are covered. Because he's looking at Jesus. Wow, what a generation, man. Those guys mess up and God doesn't impute sin to them. And I do hardly one night stand and my kid is dead. Right? You know, not that we are going to do that, but look at the covenant that we are in. God said, that's how I love it. We are still at verse 1. Was not Esau. <laughs> I'm you, the Bible is so rich. I mean, you, I mean, but we'll go fast. Okay. Says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals. Now, because here he's talking about the actual Esau, the ones who depend on their own work. There's all this double picture going on there. God, Jesus is portrayed even in the characters that are not great. Like Samson was not great, but yet. Samson is a picture of Jesus Christ because he says in his death he killed more than all in his life. Remember? Yes. Because he died, right? And he destroyed the Philistines more in his death than in all his life. Because it's a type of the death of Jesus Christ. In his death he destroyed the powers and principalities when they thought they were killing Samson. They thought they were killing Jesus Christ. And they thought that they got Jesus Christ. And guess what? In his death, he destroyed this whole pyramid structure of authority. And he broke it all down. This is the picture of Jesus. Everything is about Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not going to go into all Jesus' pictures, but let's go. But Esau had hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage. See, if you're going to depend on your flesh, your heritage is wasted. For the jackals of the wilderness, even though Edom, Edom is Esau. Same verse, same word. Edom is Esau. Right. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return. See, Edom is saying, Esau is saying, okay, I will impoverished, but guess what? I have great willpower. I'm going to return and I will build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord. Look at how he says, how he handles the man with self-righteousness. They may build, but I will I will throw down. <laughs> so guess what? Many times as, as a believer, we constantly engage in some stuff and it never succeeds, right? Because the foundation of that is Esau. When things don't continue to work because there is a, there is a work of self-righteousness built into it. You're trying to do, no, no I'll just, I will just do it again. No, just give up and just tell Lord, I cannot do it, I trust you. Right? Okay. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation for how long? So that means walk in the flesh. God is angry of the works of the flesh forever. It's not going to change. It doesn't mean that God is, sometimes you do good works and sometimes you do bad works. It doesn't, it's, he's angry with Esau forever. Indignation is forever. So don't jump on that track of trying to self-please God. Don't jump on that track because you're facing indignation forever. That is where Satan is. That is where the evil spirits are. That is where the works of darkness is. Is all in this acts of self-righteousness. Don't go there. Go stay in Christ Jesus. I mean, when I say stay in Christ Jesus, it means not holy. You got the point. I mean, see, my righteousness is from Jesus. I am a son of God. By faith. When you say that, you are in Christ Jesus. Make sense? Try to renew your mind. It's not about perfection. I'm talking about faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? 
Cleanse it. Your eyes shall see a day and you shall see the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Oh wow. That's a prophecy of the Gentiles. In Israel, in Israel, the heritage is waste. But beyond Israel, in the Gentiles, the Lord's name is magnified. That's what happened, right? We received Jesus Christ, but they still believe in the works of their hands, the Ten Commandments, the commandments and the law. But the name of the Lord is magnified beyond Israel. It's a prophecy, right? You see that thing? Okay, let's go a bit further. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I were a man, father, where is my honor? And if I was a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, how have we despised your name? Now God is now making, starting making arguments. He says, you have despised my name. And the people are saying, how did we despise your name? See, the self-righteous always don't know why they are not righteous before God. <laughs> That's very funny. When God, when you come to God, the self-righteous always say, but Lord, but where did I miss it? You know? <laughs> Everything seems to be cool. You know? The self-righteous never sees where he missed up. You know, you remember the parable where Jesus said, uh, when in the new kingdom where they, the people will come to me and say, the wicked shall, the righteous shall come to me and says, and says, enter into the joy of my father, right? To the sheep and to the goats. Remember that day? Right? And people have mistranslated, misinterpreted that passage as goat nations and sheep nations. It's not about goat nations and sheep nations. It's about the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? So because when the unrighteous, when the righteous come to God, Jesus Christ, the sheep, and Satan, Jesus says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you did me. And they say, and what did the righteous say? When did they do it? The righteous is not conscious of the good things they do. The righteous is not conscious because we do so many good things. We, we are not right, conscious of it. But, but Jesus turns back and says something very powerful. Think about it. That's how he deals with you. Very powerful. He doesn't say that you did all righteous, all perfect. He doesn't say. He says, in as much as you did this unto least of my brother. That means even if you just did one, God says, you are righteous because God for the righteous is looking for an excuse to bless you. Think about it. You, you, did, you may have made a lot of mistakes as a Christian. But if you have done just one good work, God says enter into my job. Right? Now, so you would think that this should same apply to the wicked also. Right? If the wicked does just one good thing, they should enter. Right? But Jesus changes the word to the wicked. So the way wicked comes and says, you didn't, uh, the Lord says, depart from me into everlasting darkness, correct? And the wicked comes and says, when have we not done good to you? See, what are they confident about? They are so conscious about their, their good deeds. When have we not done? Tell me, when have we not done? And Jesus says, in as much as you have not done, not done to one. Ah! Which is more stricter? Why? Why is it more stricter? No, no. Why is the penalty more wicked, stronger? In as much as you have not, 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 not done. That means if you have not done even one, you miss one. See, that's the problem with the law. The law doesn't say you can keep 
Satan never tells you that, guess what? It doesn't matter. He always says, don't worry, karma, man, karma. You do a little bit more, your good works will overtake the bad works. It's a deception because when you stand before Jesus, karma is a bitch. Sorry, I'm sensing. <laughs> but I'm saying, it's, it's that bad. You know, it's, that's what the word, you miss one. Karma kills you. Right? Because that's what, in as much as you've not done one. One. But to the righteous, he says, in as much as you have done one to me. Oh, so God, so you see the thing? How many believers are in this world who have not done, after being born again, not done anything good? Impossible. Impossible. You would do something. You have your thoughts of good. You would do something, right? Something, something of faith. Something. And God just wholesale gets you. You see the difference? Difference of a righteous versus self-righteous? Okay. Okay, we still have a little time and then we show. A father says, says the Lord of hosts, to you, uh, in what way have we despised? See, therefore, how did we despise your name? How did we despise your name? And verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar, and but you say, in what way have we defiled you? They're still confused because they are offering sacrifices. But God says that is defiled food because it's not an offering of Righteousness, right? In what way have we defied you? But saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. They saying that the table of the Lord is contemptible. See, the table of the Lord is where God has prepared a table in the midst of my enemies. What table is it? The table of the bread of Jesus Christ. Remember the uh, parable of Jesus where a, where a king made a banquet and prepared a table and he said, all is ready, come. And then each one started making excuses. I have an oxen that I have bought that I have to buy. I have just married, married, and I have to go. See, what are they? Because they despise the table of the king. They despise the savior that has just come in. The savior is all ready. The father has made all things ready. Everything is prepared. But they despise the table of the Lord. And what are they going back to? They're going back to sacrifices. Right? They despise the table of the Lord. They despise Jesus Christ's work and try to establish their own work. Right? They keep reading. And, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, they don't offer blind, they are actually offering good animals. But the God calls them blind sacrifices because a righteous sacrifice is only Christ's sacrifice. Is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Now entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to you. See, when you offer, let, 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 turn it upside down. If you offer a righteous offering, guess what you will receive from God? Verse 9. God's favor. See, if you offer a righteous offering, you will receive God's favor. Right? Okay, let's keep reading. That he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably? He's talking about you're coming with other sacrifices. Get ready to shout. I'll tell you something very powerful that's coming up. Who is even there among you who will shut the doors? <laughs> God is like so fed up with the temple sacrifices. He's saying, is there somebody out there in Israel who will shut the doors of the temple? <laughs> See, 
God doesn't want your sacrifices. Do you get it? That's why Jesus was constantly driving people out. He's not just driving out money changes. I just started by the whole message by that. He was driving the whole gang out. Shut the doors! Sorry, I'm shouting. Don't shout. <laughs> okay. Shut the doors so that you will not kindle fire on my altar in vain. That means don't, just don't waste your time with your self-effort. This is so powerful. Says the Lord of hosts, nor loosen to this, nor will I receive an offering from your hands. See, God doesn't receive our offering from our hands. He doesn't want this offering. Our hands offering, nah, no. See, Cain offered what? Cain offered what? Offering of his hands. God doesn't want an offering of hands. See, see, see what does it mean? God doesn't want your self-effort. He doesn't want your fasting. He doesn't want your prayer. All that is great. I mean, all that, oh, I, I meditated so much today, so I feel good. And I feel brownie points with God. Hmm? God doesn't want that. He doesn't care for you all that. He doesn't care, really, seriously. Just, you come to him thinking that you are the best thing that happened to God because you are his son. You give you great favor, delight by just by appearing before in the in the garments of his son Jesus Christ. That's righteous offering. Don't come to him with this offering of your hands. Okay, very powerful. Keep going, keep going, keep going. From the rising and then, then, then God prophesies. He says, he's talking about Israel right now, right? He's saying Israel, and then he prophesies. Look at this prophecy. From the rising of the sun even to the going down. He's about to swear. That's how they used to swear. Starting to swear. Starting to swear. God is starting to get ready to swear. Wow. Verse 11. From the rising of the sun even to the going down, my name shall be great among the Hallelujah! The Gentiles don't even have sacrifices. It's fruit, it's food, it's contemptible. Because that's how they talk about Jesus. They don't like Jesus. They don't like Jesus' work. And you also say, oh, what weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord. And you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick, and thus you bring the offering. Shall I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But, now listen, read verse 14. This is such a powerful verse. But cursed is the deceiver who has in his flock a male. Say a male. A male. 
Halleluja. Har vi inte vår Herre i vår flock och mer? mention of the male flock it was on the night of Passover where God told the Israelites every household take a male lamb and sacrifice and put its blood. See God is looking for a male lamb. So he says and God says you are a deceiver man. Just, 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 just hear me out. Just hear me out. This is so powerful. I, I don't think you, you, you study Malachi differently. It's all about a righteous offering. He says, you're a deceiver. If you have a male lamb, you're male in your flock, and you don't offer that male lamb. Just think about it. God calls you a deceiver. You are deceived because you think your works can get you to God. And you deceive me because you are cheating me of a good, you are giving me counterfeit currency. If you walk up to, we talk about it. If I walk up to you, Suja, and give you a counterfeit thousand dollar bill and take your, I mean, your car is worth more than that, maybe over 10 counterfeit bills of thousand dollars, and I take your keys of your car. Am I a deceiver? Yes. Did you get deceived? But you were deceived because you didn't know that these are counterfeit bills, right? But God is not deceived. When you walk up to Him with your now male kind of lamb, decorated lamb, you know, <laughs> with a spot on it, <laughs> with a spot on it, He's like, you're a deceiver. So why bother? I mean, God can see through it. You see the problem? Don't come to God with your works, is what I'm saying. Come to him with his male lamb. So when you have a layman, so cursed is a deceiver who has in his flock a male. And takes an oath. Wow. Means he says, I will do this thing for the Lord. He, nobody asks him to take a walk. But he makes a walk. And he says, I will do this, I will do that. And doesn't offer Christ Jesus, his son. He says what? But sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. See, because the male lamb in the night of Passover was a lamb without blemish. Everything else of your sacrifice, everything else is blemished. I'm telling you, you're, you're studying something so deep to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. Walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit has nothing to do with your sin. It has everything to do with your righteous self-effort offerings. What offering are you coming to God with? You can only come to God with a male lamb, without blemish. Everything else, you're a deceiver. Guess what? Guess what? You, God is not deceived. You are going to be deceived and Satan is going to deceive you and destroy your life. Not destroy your life. Means he brings afflictions that are totally, totally not necessary because you are on Mount Sinai right now. Because now you're demanding that we can do everything that God tells us. See, now you're getting ready for darts. Because you miss one, he just shoots you because he is the perfect executor of God's law. Ha-Satan in Hebrew means perfect advocate or executor of God's law. He's not evil in that sense. You know what I mean? He's a perfect executor. He executes on God's law because he can't execute apart from God's law. He has no standing, you see. So he executes based on your condemnation that you feel about yourself. So when you keep looking at your life and say, Oh, I'm such a sinner. I'm so worthless. I'm so hopeless. And I'm going to make it. This is a new resolution. From today onwards, I will do good. I will not watch that serial. Guess what? Get ready. Because now it is not about what Jesus has already done for you. Not your righteous in Christ Jesus. Now it's about your blemished lamb that you're getting ready to dress up. You're going to fall. Right? Your offering has to be righteous. Okay, keep going. For, for I am a great king. Okay. Uh, for, but sacrifices to the Lord, what is blemished? But I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, but my name is to be feared among the nations. Okay, now he, he starts condemning the priest. He says, now listen to me, priest. If you do not take it to heart to give glory to my name, I will send a curse upon you and curse your blessing. I have already cursed them already because you did not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse. And keep reading, keep reading, keep down. My covenant, he's talking about that when he established the covenant with Levi, the priest, he, this is what he established. Look at verse 5. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, that I might, that I, I gave to him that he might fear me, and he feared me, and was reverent before me. The law of truth was on his mouth, and injustice was far from his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and turned many away from iniquity. See, the high priest with the old covenant, the Levi, turned many people away from the iniquity. How? When they offered sacrifices righteously, and spoke perfectly, and told the demands, they turned many people away from iniquity. But the, the priesthood started getting corrupted. They started accepting everything evil. They, they started po not pointing towards the perfect Lamb of God and started pointing towards the works of man. Until Jesus came. By the time Jesus came, they were, their sacrificial system was completely messed up. Everything was okay, you know? I mean, they had an appearance of righteousness. The Pharisees, they thought they, they, they tied off the mint and the rue. See, now, if Malachi was all about tithing, Pharisees would have been the perfect guys. They tithed everything. They even tithed the coriander on their plate. They, before they eat, they would take the whole of their plate and put it aside as a tithe. Hold it. If tithing was going to get you the blessing, the most blessed should have been the Pharisees. But they missed it totally. Because the true high priest, Jesus Christ, came on the scene and slaughtered them completely. Because they were not offering 
the righteous offering in Christ Jesus. And they were self-righteous. And he says, and then he says, look at, keep reading. For the lips of the priest shall have knowledge. That's how Jesus came. And the, the people shall seek the law from his mouth. But he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Therefore, and he keeps reading. Okay. Verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way we have wearied you? In, in which you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in him. Where is the God of justice? So the people who are self-righteous look at the righteous, you and me, and say, how come they are messing up and God is so good to them? Do you want to be in that camp or in the camp of receiving the favor? Got it? Make sense? And let's read Malachi chapter 3 and then we'll close. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. For who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's show. He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord a offering in righteousness. So we say, God, Jesus Christ will come and purge all of us and cleanse us and completely present us as an offering of righteousness. Make sense? So Jesus is coming. Keep reading. Then, then, verse 4. Then, say then. then. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. When will it be pleasant? When Jesus purges us and offers us perfect in righteousness. Correct? As in the days of the Lord. And then keep reading. Okay. And then verse 7. Return to me, says the Lord. And I will return to you, say the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way should we return? Now God is getting ready. He says, okay, now you messed up. You're bringing unblemished sacrifices. You're doing super things. You're not bringing my son, Jesus Christ. You're not offering a righteousness. Return to me. Come back to me. He says, how can I return? The people say, that's when he replies to this answer. Make sense? What did he say? Will a man rob God? Same, same context. Same context. Will a man rob God? Means he's continuing to tell them that you are robbing me. Robbing me of what? Robbing me of what? Righteous offering. Righteous offering. Say righteous offering. Righteous. I, I want you to get this in your spirit. I'm telling you, this is so fundamental to your Christian walk. You're robbing me, see God says. Because it's a deceiver. Right? You're a deceiver. You're robbing me. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, what way we have robbed you? God is like, I just told you. <laughs> I just told you like two chapters how you are robbing me. Right? But they are just confused. They are like, it doesn't make sense to them. For a self-righteous guy, it doesn't make sense how he is displeasing to God. How, how, how are we robbing you? And then God says, in tithes and offerings. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. You know? In tithes and offerings. So what tithes and offerings is he talking about here? Righteous offering. How many people have understood Malachi? See, now you understand what's going on in Malachi, right? It's really not about tithes and offerings. Because these guys are offerings. Tithes and offerings morning, evening. And God is telling, shut the doors. 
mercy on me and shut the doors. Or sorry, not have mercy on yourself and shut the doors. So because in tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings, because everything is horrible. You're not bringing an offering that is pleasant to the Lord. The Gentiles are doing it. Ah, you're going you're to start shouting when I show you something so powerful. Because the good part is now. If you have patience and you waited, you're going to see some good part right now. Get put, doesn't matter your financial status right now. Get ready for some good stuff. Because now, it is not about your works. It's about unmerited favor from God because of a male child. Get ready for unmerited. Are you ready to start receiving some incredible favor from God because of none of your works? But because of the Christ offering? Ah, you will not be able to contain it. Oh, you will not be able to contain it. Because there is so much stuff. Now, these verses will start making sense to you for the first time. Because you have been tithing technically for a long time and really there's not been <clears throat> a major heavens opening over your head. Not really. Not room enough to contain it. Not really. I mean, how many Christians are able to, on a one-to-one -one heart say, really, what's going on? I mean, you've been tithing. He's rebuking the yeah, I mean, constantly morning, evening, I'm rebuking the devourer. <laughs> and I'm tithing and first check and second check and nothing seems to be windows. I mean, the windows, I mean, standing outside and praying, standing inside and praying. <laughs> because you missed it. You missed it. It's missing. It's not about your offering. Wake up and smell the Offering. <laughs> Smell Jesus. Okay, look at it. You are cursed with a curse. He? Why is it cursed? Because? Same verse, because you told the Levi, you're, you're, you're robbing me, right? You're, now it understand why he says curse with a curse. It's not about your time. It's about this unrighteous offering that you, uh, people are trying to do, bring before God. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. God says the whole nation doesn't want Jesus. Which is what Israel did, right? The whole nation walked away from Jesus. They don't want Jesus. The whole nation is offering. Because he is not happy with anybody's offering. Because that is not the offering he wanted. He wanted people to come to God and say, Lord, have mercy upon me and give me your faith. And God would have shown them, yes, his son, Yeshua. So powerful, so powerful. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Then he says, bring some of the tithes, some of the tithes, some of the offerings, all, say all. all. See, now he's starting to demand. He said, bring all the offerings, all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So who is the offering? Jesus Christ. And when you come to him, you have to come in Christ Jesus and God wants all of you. See, say God, say, say repeat after me. God, God wants, wants all of me, all of me as, a as a righteous offering. You cannot have parts of your life. When he says parts of your life, it means all of your life in Christ Jesus. All of your life in Christ Jesus. It means what? Not in perfection. See, you're missing. If, you, if at the end of the whole thing, you go back thinking that, oh, I need to be sinless after this message. You miss the whole point. It means I am going to be in Christ Jesus. And you are in Christ Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you are now a righteous offering because that's how the Gentiles bring an offering because they bring themselves as an offering in Christ Jesus. Make sense? So bring all the offerings. When he says bring all the tithes and all the offerings, he's saying bring you. Come to me. Come to me. Luke chapter 2. That they may serve God 
in holiness, righteousness, and without fear. See, now you can, so because Jesus came, we can now offer to God a perfect righteousness of our bodies, our, our spirit. That is why Jesus told the Samaritan woman, a time is coming, an hour is coming, where not on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, which was in Samaria, or in Mount Jerusalem, will you worship, but true worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. The word truth there is righteous offering. It's not going to be on any mountain. This mountain in Jerusalem or in Gerizim, it's going to be on which mountain? Mount Zion in Christ Jesus. Only in that mountain, your righteous offering will be accepted. And says, that's why the Bible says, and the Father God sees such worshippers. You see such worshippers? Worshippers who bring an offering in truth. Say truth. The truth means a righteous offering. Not a deceiving offering. That is a lying offering. That is the word truth. Now you understand the word truth? God says, God says, the truth shall set you free. What truth? It's very vague. It's not only metaphysical truth. Everybody's truth. No. Truth means get the male flock. That's truth. Everything else is a lie. Make sense? Come to me in truth. Means come to me in Jesus Christ. Come bring all your offering. Means come complete in Christ Jesus. Okay, keep reading. That there may be food in my house. Guess what happened? I know, I'm going slow here because there's something very deep here. At the Samaritan woman, Jesus did not have food. Remember? Right? And he was very hungry. Correct? So he met the Samaritan woman. And he started talking to them about a day is coming when true worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And the Samaritan woman said, when the Messiah comes, he will tell me all things. <sighs> Get ready. And Jesus stood before her and said, he who speaks to you, I who speaks to you, Hallelujah. He just used the Hebrew word, I am, before the Samaritan woman. Immediately the Samaritan woman became born again. Correct? She believed it. What is, how do you become born again? How do you believe born again? How do you believe? Start me, how do you become born again? Believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Amen? Immediately became born again. And she ran to the city to call her friends. She immediately became an evangelist. Who taught her? Because now she's operating in the new covenant. All shall be taught from the Lord, from the least to the greatest. Holy Spirit is starting to starting to teach her to witness, right? Correct? She's starting to witness, she's already doing. When the disciples come back, they said, Lord, they saw him refreshed and they asked him a question. What? Come on. Who fed you? Who fed you? Has anybody already bought? Has anybody already bought food for you? Does it ring a bell? What does the Malachi say? When you bring tithes and offerings in Christ Jesus, guess what happens? There is food in my house! Suddenly there is food! There is food in my house! Whose house? God's house! You know, God feeds of Jesus Christ as his offering. Jesus is God's delight. Jesus is our delight. 
all of universe feeds on Jesus. Why are you eating something else? Second hand junk food, take home food. You know, eat of Jesus. Let there be food in my house. Guess what? When a righteous offering is there, there is food in the house. Guess what? Even Jesus was nourished. Because the righteous offering has happened, right? Because she's just talking about righteous offering there, the Gentile. And she was a Samaritan woman, not a Jew. And she's a Gentile now offering a righteous offering. Do you see, do you see this whole connection going on out here? It's a righteous offering. When there's a righteous offering, there is food in your house. So if there is poverty in your house right now, it's simply because there is, what is there? There is self-righteousness going on there. Because Esau's heritage is always desolate. See, make sense? Esau's heritage is always desolate. And against him, there is indignation for? Never. Oh, I'm telling you, you all guys need to study this chapter. Understand this whole fundamental of walk in the spirit. That is why Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. He's not talking about his body. He's talking about his self-righteous acts of accomplishment. There dwells no good thing. Amen? Okay, keep reading. And then he says, try me now in this. Try me what? Try bringing a male man. Say try. Bringing a male from your flock. Try bringing. Try bringing. Try. Does that make sense? Try. Try this. Why don't you try this? I mean, you try bringing tithes and offerings for years together, right? Now try bringing a righteous offering. Just try it. Guess what I will do? What I will do? I will open the windows of heaven. Who did Jesus, God open the windows of heaven first? Where is that mentioned? Come on, come on, come on. Where is the first mention of the windows of heaven being opened? Noah. Noah's time. But when Jesus came over a man on the, on the, on, during his time of the baptism, the windows of heaven opened up because he was the first righteous offering. Over him, the windows of heaven opened. You see, the windows of heaven always opens over a righteous offering. That is why John said, Behold the Lamb. Guess what? So, he's identified what? The male. Then the male goes into the Jordan. Guess what? The windows open up. Malachi. Windows of heaven open up. And what happens? And I will pour out such blessing that there is more than enough for you. So dwell in the land of blessing. The blessing is over the righteous offering. Not over you. It's over your righteous offering. What, who is your righteous offering? Your righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when you put on, that's why Paul says, now put on Christ Jesus. Now put on Christ Jesus. Now put on Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay, keep reading. For, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we don't have time to go into that. We'll talk about it. Separate. Remember holy mountain of holiness? See, on this mountain, there is no devourer. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 66. And God has given a very prophetic verse to me this year. And I shared it with my family. And I will share it towards the end to you. He says, very powerful. He says, there's going to be a distinction in this world. And you have to go stand. And God wants you to be blessed. Correct? But you have to stand under this righteous offering. Correct? Okay? I will share it to you. But here it is. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And that he said, that the, the, on this mountain there is no devourer. The lion and the sheep, Isaiah chapter 65, 66, we didn't have time to go, go through it today. I will do that. 
they will lie down together because the lion cannot touch the sheep. We are the sheep. The lion was Satan. Lion cannot touch us in this new mountain. Amen. He cannot touch us. He he could before Jesus came, but not anymore because our offering is righteousness is Him. And then He says, and He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. And all nations shall call you blessed, and you will be a delightful light. Say, I, I will be. Will be. Say, I am, I am a delightful land. See, contrast that to the land of Esau. Desolate. And I am a delightful land. Okay. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have we spoken against you? You said it's useless to serve the Lord. Correct. See, the more you try to serve God with your effort, guess what? You get tired. I mean, you fast today 10 days. After that, eh, nothing really happened. After that, you get tired, right? The more you try to do stuff on your own efforts, you get tired. Oh, how many, how many verses should I memorize? Or how much shall I witness? After some time you tired and start, you start falling into sin. The same sins that overcame you when you were not a believer now start to entice you even more as a believer. Like you're like, what's going on out here? Because, because that's where you know when there's self-righteous involved. Because now you're trying to keep it. Guess what? It becomes even more tougher. You give up, right? Because it's more difficult. You start to realize so, it's just so tiring. It's useless to serve the Lord. What profit it is to keep his audience. We are walked as mourners. Mourners means you fasted and prayed long hours. Mourn, mourn, mourn. John the Baptist's ministry was all about mourning. And Jesus came feasting. And he says, when John came mourning, you did not cry. When I came feasting, you did not dance. Make up your mind. Right? So God, God, Jesus is saying, okay, you want to be under the law? Law is all about mourning. So then we do the law perfectly. So that is why God says in Revelation, either be hot or cold. We always thought hot or cold means uh, we should be hot for God. No. See, either be under the law or be under Christ Jesus. Don't try to be lukewarm. Like you're half under the law, half under Christ. He says, I'll spit you out. Because even if you're under the law, the law will drive you to me. Because you cannot keep it. If you are under me, you are blessed. But if you are not under me, you are like half. Like I keep some of the law, but I don't keep all of the law. I am sometimes in Christ Jesus. Guess what? I'm going to throw you out. That's what. Either be fully for me in Christ Jesus. Okay, there you go. Keep reading. This is useless. And, and then and they, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord listened and heard him. And a book of remembrance was written before him. And those who fear the Lord and who make it, he's talking about you and me in Christ Jesus. And they shall be mine. Look at what God says. They shall be mine. The ones you, you who have Christ Jesus in They shall be mine, says the Lord. On that day I will make them my jewels. I will spare them. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. You see that? You see that? See? See what happens in Christ Jesus. What happens? How are you spared? As a son. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. I'm a son. See, as a man spares his son. So when the Gentiles look at you, man, this guy messed up. How is God blessing him? They don't know what's going on. There's a righteous offering going on here. The man, because you are his son right now. He's going to spare you as a son. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to kill you because you are a son. Because now you are not in a relationship as a master servant. You are a relationship as a Abba Father without fear. 
You see that? As a, fa as a father, fa as a so man spares his own son who serves him. Remember? Who served the Lord without in righteousness, in, without fear and in holiness. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Only in Christ Jesus can we serve the Lord. Such worshippers the Lord needs who worship Him in spirit and truth to serve the Lord. Only in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters, only in Christ Jesus, we have this relationship of the Father. They shall be one. And there you shall discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves the Lord and one who does not serve the Lord. That's how God decides, decides between the righteous. Okay, and then we can read. And then I'll close with the final one. And though, verse 2. But you, he's talking about you and me. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise. Run, son of righteousness. With healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall fed calves. And you shall trample the wicked and they shall be so ashes under the soles of your feet. On that day I will do it, says the Lord. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. He's reminding me. If you don't want this, you can go under the law of Moses. Which I commanded him with the judgments and the statutes. Behold, I will send the Elijah the prophet before the great and the coming day of the Lord. And he will turn again the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to the fathers. See how the Old Testament closes. The Old Testament closes with a prophecy that God's heart is going to turn towards his children. And children's hearts are going to turn towards their father. And God is going to restore the relationship of sonship. That's how it closes. The book of Old Testament closes by a prophecy that you're going to get restored as a son. Lest, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. If you don't want that relationship, guess what you get? You live under a curse. By the way, the Old Testament ends with a curse. The New Testament ends with a blessing. So he says what? To you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise. So what goes first in a believer's life? When you believe in Jesus' name, the son of righteousness will rise. That means you will first have a sense and you have a knowing of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life. Say amen. amen. With healing in its wings. Immediately healing starts manifesting in your life. See, once if you, if you feel condemned about your sins and you're so conscious about your wrong things in your life you you don't receive healing when the son of righteousness rises up what happens automatically healing comes in its ways and then prosperity follows you will grow and become fat like stall fed cattle say stall fed cattle how do the stall fed cattle get fat do they go out? No. Do they graze out? Do they work for their food? No. How does food come to them? It's brought to them. See the difference in this new covenant? In this new covenant, food is brought to you. You become fat as tall fat cattle. I know many of you don't want to confess I'm going to be a tall fat cattle. <laughs> hey, but in the spirit, you want to be a tall fat cattle where food comes to you. You don't work for your food. But that blessing only comes upon the righteous offering. Make sense? But get the spirit of the son of righteousness with healing in his wings, with prosperity. Hallelujah. And we have so much stuff to talk about and we don't even have time. I think I took too much of time. But let's just close. Father, we come before your throne of grace. I want you to just start receiving in your spirit.
this word of a righteous offering. See, in the areas of your life that you least think that you're righteous, start declaring that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Start receiving it. I don't, I don't want you to think about anything else, all your needs, all your wants, because the Bible says, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not its righteousness, his righteousness. The righteousness of the mainland. Seek his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. All the windows of heaven is going to open up to you. Get ready. Start saying, Jesus Christ, you are my righteousness. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed in the night, bless yourself in the God of truth. 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 I, I want you to just open your eyes quickly. Sorry, I told you I'm going to give you the prophetic word that God gave. Okay, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 65. And you can read it when you, when you go back. But this is the word that came to me, and I believe it's for the life team. Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. You can mark it down and confess this. And we've been doing this all year, and we've seen God's doing extreme miracles and great blessings for us. Okay, Isaiah chapter 65. And I want you to go back and read this whole chapter with this understanding of righteousness, what we just talked about. The Isaiah chapter 65 and Isaiah chapter 66 pretty much repeats what Malachi talks about. Pretty much. The same concept, everything, mountain of holiness, righteousness offering, everything. Just read it, okay? But this is the promise. Thus says the Lord, verse 13, Behold, my servant shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servant shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart and wail for grief of spirit. You shall leave your name as a curse for my chosen. For the Lord shall slay you and call my servants by another name. What name is that? The Lord shall call his servants by another name. What name is that? What name is that? Sons, 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 because he's going to call his servants by a different name, sons. And then verse 16, that's the only role. So that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. Say God of truth. God of truth. He who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Say God of truth. God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. This is what I want you to do. God is going to make a distinction in the world. The world is going to get shaken and there's going to be shaking happening. But God says when the shaking is happening, while it's right now, I want you to remember that you will not be thirsty. They will be thirsty but you will not be thirsty. They will be hungry but you will not be hungry. They will, be, they will, not, they will cry but you will rejoice, right? And I will call you by a different name. I will call you as sons of God. But what you should do is, you should bless yourself in the God of truth. So you should wake up in the morning and you get up and say, Lord, I bless myself in the God of truth. And I told you what truth is. Right? The righteous offering in Christ Jesus. That is in Christ Jesus. You say, I bless myself. Say, and you said, I never bless myself. I want you to do it. It's a promise. I just said, he who blesses on the earth should now bless. He says, this is how you should bless. If you do this, I promise you that Malachi's blessing will start manifesting in your life. 
that blessing that you will be a delightful life. It says, you bless your you wake up in the morning, tell your children to do that. I bless myself in the God of truth. Not the God of Sinai. No, the God of truth, of a righteous offering. You say, I bless myself in the God of truth. I, and he who blesses himself, let him bless himself in the God of truth. Why? The former troubles are forgotten and I shall remember them no more. He says, I will remember your sins no more. I will remember the former troubles. So if you want to get out of your former troubles, your sickness, your disease and everything, see, all God is telling you is simple. He's, he's not doing, okay, you take your medicines, you do all that, but can you do this one thing? It's not complicated. It's very simple. You may not have money, enough money to feed your children right now. You have challenges about health or you have challenges about education. You have to, I say, hey, now it's not about your offering, correct? 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 Not about how much price you paid and all that junk, correct? Right? I'm telling you, can you do this one thing in 2016? Say, if I bless myself in the God of truth. Just do that. Who is the God of truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say, I bless myself in Jesus Christ, the righteous offering, the God of truth. Just complete that whole sentence and do it. I just declare it. See, God, God didn't tell you to do anything. He just told you to bless yourself. He didn't tell you to call the elders of the church to bless you. He didn't tell you to call uh, Pope to bless you. He didn't tell you to read 10 chapters. He said, just bless yourself. What do you do? Because it exalts his name. Guess what? The Gentiles are getting this blessing by not even offering physical offerings. They're blessing them. Can you do that? You're going to start saying, your vine shall no longer fall down before it is fruitful. Your labor shall not again go waste. You shall build into, you shall start receiving unmerited favor in your life. And you say, I don't know, I don't, I don't understand, I'm not perfect, I don't care. I'm going to bless myself in the God of truth. That's it. And truth means undeserved favor because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ my God. I'm going to just bless myself. I'm just going to bless it. And you can say it loud. You can say it soft. Doesn't matter. Just bless yourself. Can you bless yourself? Just do it every day this year. Because God, when you do that, God supernaturally starting to make a distinction in this world. He starts calling you by a different name. And he starts you start rejoicing, and you start seeing this difference. Guess what? So why am I getting all these purchase orders? Why this guy is not getting that? You know, I'm getting all this money, and in my investment seems to be doing pretty well, and everybody seems to be doing better. So nothing has changed because now God is going to make a distinction because the windows of heaven have now opened over this righteous offering in your life, and because you have identified with this God of truth, guess what? The windows of heaven are open over you now. Amen? So let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace and we pray and we declare right now, Lord, as brothers and sisters. Lord, confirm this word by signs and miracles for us right now. If what we have preached and heard from the Holy Spirit is the word of God, which we know it is, let the signs confirm it over. Let windows of heaven open over our lives because we bless ourselves in the God of truth. The Lord Yeshua, the Lord of our righteousness, we receive it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, and I thank you because you rebuke the devourer of us, and you're seated with us far above every power and every principle. And the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in His ways, and we 
shall go out like salt, right? blessing shall overtake them. You, they shall all be taught by the Lord. All be taught by the Lord because that's a blessing for the sons of God. Our children will be taught by the Lord. They will be, have unmerited favor overtaking them. Their studies, their academics, their education, our jobs, oh master, promotions coming in right now. We start to see promotions coming in in the name of Jesus. God is going to start there is going to be a spotlight in your workplace over your life, on your head. And favor is going to start following you. And people will start following you and taking your counsel, say the Lord. And you will start seeing unnatural and supernatural promotion ahead of time, ahead of schedule. And you'll start seeing investments start multiplying. You'll get ideas for investments. Some of you out here are going to make multi-millions in quick short period of time. Quick. Not, it won't take too much long because it's going to happen quickly. Because the windows of heaven are open over you. Because it's over, over, over your righteous land. Jesus Christ. It's going to open over you. See, I receive it. Oh, the great favor, great favor shall come upon this group of children of my son. Because they are called by God. Bless them. Let them walk in your strength. And the God of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord.